Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, uh, an OU fan podcast. Uh, OU fans, myself included, and Alan included, Matt included, are down bad in our fandom. But we're here to try to uh, reestablish the equilibrium. Uh, I am Peyton Guthrie, co-host of uh, Through the Keyhole, um, sponsored by Vanessa House, which you would have heard their ad right off the top. Uh, something good to drown the sorrows. And uh, you can always join us on our Patreon for some of our extra content through the keyhole. Uh, just search for it on Patreon. You'll find it. Uh, but joined, as always, from the East Coast, the Beast Coast, um, Alan Kenny. Alan, how are you doing right now, man? Oh, getting by, you know, like you mentioned, uh, tough loss for OU over the weekend. But, um, you know, uh, live to find another day, right? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we all live to fight another day. Uh, uh, did you did you uh, did you vote or did you early vote? Uh, or are you like a a substantial what is it, like a con- unconsciousness? Whatever I'm trying to say. Do you? Uh, do you... Yeah, I voted. Yeah, good job. Did, good for I you. Did, I did it in person today. Hey, I like doing it in person. Uh, I know a lot a lot of my friends are kind of early voters, but I'm like, no, I like going there. I like seeing the old person working the poll station. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a little routine. Um, Hopefully, whoever you voted for has a good plan for the future, and they win. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> uh, that said, we're going to talk a little bit about about OU versus Baylor. A little look back. I know um, it caused some uh, some sadness amongst everyone, um, but I generally think, and Alan, jump in at any point in time to, to call me an idiot. Uh, I generally think OU versus Baylor just pr- proved that OU. Sh- kind of just a regular bad football team not horrible not you know over the top or anything there's kind of a general football team at this point in time you can't overcome any sort of you know self-inflicted wounds three interceptions will do that and um maybe some passive coaching decisions I, i didn't see anything beyond maybe just like i wish they tackled better that made me think oh man that the ship is going in a really bad direction based off that baylor game yeah, I I would I'd go a little bit more on the optimistic side. Not that they're a, a regular bad football team, but they're a regular okay or regular good football yeah. team. I mean, I, what they're they're what five and four right now. Um, they have three very winnable games left now. I, I you know that's kind of more what I'm I'm concerned about is how things go in the next three games. Um, uh, the, you know they certainly 
just don't i think what we saw is that oh you can live with uh potentially overcome a, a bad defensive showing yeah or uh can potentially overcome well i i don't think that uh, or but they're they're not good enough to turn the ball over three times throw three picks you know give up 10 points on about 28 yards of total offense and uh still hope to win especially against a team like baylor um so you know i i think that uh i'd look at it more along kind of along kind of those lines you know yeah there, yeah I, I think that's true if there's anything that caused me to hit certain amount of pauses now this is two cases and again it's such a small sample size uh two football two football games kansas state and uh, Baylor, in which I believe the coaching staff potentially had a adverse effect on OU winning the game. I think there may be some. Again, we we talked about it on the Patreon. You can listen to me. You can listen to me be much more heated, <laughs> uh, animated about uh, what I believe to be uh, passive coaching. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe on some group chats, you would have heard me say uh, throw out the word cowardly, uh, but. It's just some general time management issues, some general, like the game kind of getting away from Brent and from Levy, and it feels like it's kind of slipping away from there. That's something that is picking at me at the back of the head, you know, kind of thinking, I don't know now, come on, you got to get this done. But, you know, I mean, Ed Reed has, that, that's like his MO, is just he can't manage a clock. <laughs> but everyone just loves him now. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Um, I think you mean Andy Reid, right? Andy Reid, yeah, Andy Reid, Andy Reid, yeah, uh, yeah, Ed Reid, yeah, different player, uh, actual <laughs> player. <laughs> You've made me cough. <laughs> I'm gonna die. Uh, so that's the, probably the one thing that kind of brings you up to any cause. Have you seen any sort of like trend? I mean, now we're nine games into uh, Brent uh, coaching, and I even get a drink, man. Get a drink. I'm dying. I know. I'm trying hard. <laughs> Answer the question. Any coaching trends that you see? Oh, um, well, I mean, I think that, you know, the the decision to punt there at the beginning of the fourth quarter when you had the ball in, in Baylor territory was kind of one of those things that, you know, you it feels like probably a knee-jerk reaction for a defensive coach. Um, you know, it wasn't that uh, – I mean, I, I guess you could have called it borderline. I certainly would have suggested going for it and – I feel like the third down play call running the ball on third and four uh, was the kind of thing where you only do that if you're trying to uh, set up to go again, on, to go for it on fourth down. Um, so, you know, that to me is, uh, is, is, I guess, just one kind of, is one of the decisions, you know, I think you can make, I think you can make some good arguments too about, how the clock was managed at the end of the first half or at the end or, and also uh, later in the game when OU did have possession um, could have been a little bit more sense of urgency there. But I mean, at the same time, they also were in position again to, uh, you know, get the ball back late in the game with about two, two minutes to go potentially to uh, go either tie or win the game. So like, I mean, you know, some of those are, are borderline, but I'm with you. I, I would, I, I did not like the call to punt in the fourth quarter. Yeah, to me, it boils down to uh, just do you trust your defense? Because again, it's it's a it's a coaching decision 
I have some friends kind of backing this around saying, well, Britt probably didn't coach, didn't trust the defense at that point in time because they were kind of getting moved around and Baylor was starting to get some traction. <clears throat> and the idea is, you know, make Baylor show they can go that amount of yards. In my idea, in, in my brain, it's like, well, if you don't trust your defense enough there, then you don't, I mean, you don't trust them anywhere. Kind of a situation. If it, it's, it's like, go for it now because if you give them to it at the 20, now, Mims almost made a great play. If that ball gets down at the two or the one, obviously things change drastically, but then you're kind of adding a bunch of ifs. If the punt unit does what it's supposed to do, if the coverage unit is able to do it down, it's like you're adding too many ifs. If you go for it, it's just one if. Do we pick it up or not? <laughs> and then yeah. it's whatever. But then you're, you're just giving Baylor a short field again, um, which then potentially would have given you more time. It's just that That's the only thing I had there. It's like, if you don't trust your defense, you don't trust them anywhere on the field, and you seem to make the decision of the unit you seem to have more trust in at that point in time, which is the offense. And I agree with you. Once he once they hand the they handed that ball off in third and four, I was like, oh yeah, this is set it up. I thought we're gonna roll right through. And then I look up and we're punting. I mean, oh he's punting. That's just it was, I think it was just a way of it's kind of like the idea of uh people get really afraid of um of chasing points or chasing time or chasing possessions uh, like uh, I, I listened to the Tony Kornheiser show Uncle Tony big fan I know he's old and has and he has horrible college football takes but uh, he had Wilbon on as he usually does and Wilbon is a dreadful dreadful NFL anything like he has I mean listen to his football takes are, are pretty rough <laughs> just generally because he's like mm-hmm. I'm like oh yeah you used to cover football in the 80s I can tell uh, <laughs> and it's like that's the last time you paid attention to it but he gets very mad at you know the the Rams head coach for going for fourth downs and going for two-point conversions he's like then you're having to chase and chase and chase um but I feel like when once Brent punted it was more of you're punting a decision you're going to have to make that you could have made now just later like you know it's it's like you're, you're you're forfeiting on a chance to make that decision when you could have and you're not giving yourself enough time and then you're forced to make that decision and it's it's kind of i don't know i like having more control on my hands it's a much different context but i was watching the lsu a uh alabama game and brian kelly line was lined up for two called the timeout and everyone went yeah that's not a brian kelly move there's no way he's gonna do it and they rolled back out and they did it and i was like yeah, I fucking love this. Just go win the game or lose the game. You have to do two point conversions anyway. The next overtime, yeah. just go ahead and do it. Just get it done with. Um, and I thought with the fake field goals happening and all that type of stuff that we're kind of getting this riverboat gambler. I trust my defense. We're going to play. We're going to do hard stuff type of guy. And it seemed he was just coaching a little passive, but he, he hadn't a very kind of vague-ish answer to this on this press conference about, I think he was asked something along the lines of how much you look at analytics and he kind of gave the, the regular coach thing of I look at them, but you got to look at context and players and the, all that type of stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it moving forward. Um, hopefully, I don't know if you can, if you can quote unquote fix something like that. I don't think there's a, you always go for it on fourth down you always go for two and all that type of stuff. It is very contextual. Um, I just feel like the context of that play would have been, I don't know hang it out there and go for it <laughs> yeah I, I i've never been big on I, I don't know i think that we kind of have misapplications when it comes to analytics in, in football because i i there's no 
there's no way you factor in context. It's different. Football is different from basketball or mm-hmm. other other sports and baseball in that regard. Um, you know, I think that if you had told if you had told Brent Venables that Michael Turk uh, wasn't going to be able to you know stop the ball inside like the ten, uh, I think he would have had a different take on it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and and that's part of the thing is you know you you have you know uh, ostensibly a, a uh, all American punter, uh, you're not, you're, you're counting on him there to be able to place that ball, you know, at, at least in, you know, uh, not, not in the end zone, if that makes sense. Um, that was the part that, you know, I think that he probably would have, uh, <laughs> liked to take back, um, when it comes to that decision as a whole. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, uh, it, it, but it just like I said, you set up that third down play to set up a fourth down that's manageable. Uh, you know, I mean, I know you you missed you missed on fourth down earlier in the game, but I mean, three yards, it's there. You got a chance to go in and score uh, or tie the game up. I think you take it there, man. Like I, I just don't feel like playing field position uh, was was the right call. But that's but again, that's a, like a gut thing to me. I, the the whole deal about do you trust your offense or your defense? Yeah, I don't I I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's like a lot of times you don't have any choice. You have to trust one or the other. That's true. You know? That's true. So and you're like, right. I mean, maybe he was quote, quote unquote trusting the guy yeah, who the, he said's been the best football player on his team, yeah. Michael Turk, to make the play. So you know, it, yeah. I mean, and and that's also unfair to Brent to boil it down to. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, my thing isn't I'm not boiling down my potential grade of him as head coach on one play. Yeah. <laughs> Baylor. There's also, like I said, there's some general time management, you know, some substitution patterns by Levy, which has been fixed, I will say, has been fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not doing enough fake injuries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah. Guys need to fall down more and grab their leg. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thing, he needs to figure these things out uh, to, to get it going. Um, but let's put that to bed. Uh, I think we both agree. OU seems like just a a normal football team to a certain degree. I mean, they're they're a team you would you would, you base stuff off of. Uh, at the, they're getting closer and closer to that, which I always wondered how OU fans would handle cheering for like in Illinois. <laughs> you know, if, if if OU became that level for three, I guess in the '90s it happened. Everyone freaked out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> never yeah. again situation. Um, so now moving on to uh to to West Virginia to a certain degree here. Um, Morgantown, OU's never lost to them as a Big 12, uh, Big 12 member. Uh, this is a bad football team that has a ton of injuries. Uh, most of the di- dynamic players are injured or out. Uh, they're, uh, you know, captained by JT Daniels, who uh, isn't good. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's serviceable, whatever, but he's not like a uh, an, an over-the-top guy who may have saved Neil Brown's job. And this is probably the last game Neil Brown coaches, <laughs> to a certain yeah. degree. Uh what do you see happening, OU uh, v uh, West Virginia? Good morning game. That's a good morning game to have. Uh, the, you know, the couch burnings will, will be much too early to do anything of that nature. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, what do you think that you think OU just rolls in? I mean, OU is favored by eight right now uh, and some advanced stats. I think SP Plus, if you do all the math, has OU by 15. Uh, that's just the raw number. That's not counting some stuff in. Um, uh, beta rank has them by nine. Um, this for all seems in purposes seems to be really, Oh, you should just roll into Morgantown, get the win and roll out. Well, I mean, you know, I think this, the spread at this point is right around like seven, seven and a half. Right. 
so uh you know a one score game it's kind of you know for that kind of projection it's kind of hard to to take that as oh just roll in and roll out uh but you know this is a game that oh you should win but things like neil brown's job status that definitely yeah. you know i mean you never know maybe the guys like neil brown and want to stick around i don't know um i think that not i mean you know morgantown at night is a different kind of animal um i think the early start might help ou in that regard but uh who knows um but you know i just i look at this and i i feel like a lot of things that ou does well you know i mean i i think that they kind of uh that they're i guess they're a tough matchup for west virginia if that makes sense i mean you know west virginia oh you oh you you know can throw the ball now they can also uh, run they're also running the ball in my opinion really well mm -hmm. uh west virginia isn't stopping anybody right now <laughs> either way <laughs> um you know this team especially with uh, in my opinion their best running back uh, donaldson being out for the year uh that takes away kind of one area where they could have done some damage against ou i feel like ou's past defense has gotten surprisingly a lot better <laughs> and yeah. so they 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 might be able to uh i think they can kind of neutralize some stuff there um so you know it's a it's a tough it's a you know it's i get it's a it's a tough matchup for west virginia in that respect uh you know the question just becomes stuff like is dylan gabriel gonna throw three picks that type of deal you know yeah, true. And it's almost like what flavor of OU's um, uh, offense, I mean, defense even shows up. I mean, I, I, I know there's some different factors to it, but like Iowa State could not do much on the ground. And again, it's a different, they're, they're a different mm -hmm. level of, uh, you know, offensive team than, than Baylor is. But Baylor could kind of move, they're not kind of, uh, you know, they, they got they got the, the running yards they wanted to get against OU, but the passing yards weren't all there. Uh, it seems to be there's a certain amount of a jackal and hide potentially. And maybe that's where, um, I, I don't know, maybe Brent is having to focus certain amounts of, uh, of resources to stop one thing or, or another thing. It's not like it's Georgia is going to play, you know, Tennessee straight up cover one <laughs> it's yeah you know OU has to move stuff around at that point in time um you know Billy Bowen being back but if, you know it, how how banged up is Key Lawrence how bang you know all that type of stuff then, then you have questions you have to answer um at, at that point in time can Co I know he's gonna be in a club for the rest of the year but is now he is he a little more uh Isaiah Co uh is he a little more acclimated to wearing the you know having the yeah. club and, and things of that nature uh but this should be I know it's a seven, seven point five if uh at that point in time, but uh favorite for OU. In my mind, this as much as OU has left on, on the run on the um calendar uh schedule, this is the closest thing to a get right game um for OU that it has. I mean, Texas yeah. Tech has a very good defense. Not that great of an offense, but a very good defense OU's gonna have to contend with. And then uh, the uh, Bedlam game, it's Bedlam. It's kind of crazy. Who knows what's going to happen? Spencer Sanders' health and all that, all that kind of stuff. I mean, if Sanders is playing, he's the you know mobile quarterback, and things mm -hmm. could just break down. Uh, but this is a game OU has to win uh, to get bowl eligible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Let, let's start small. Um, you know, I, I wonder if OU is going to celebrate. Because I think I think like the bowl committee like sends like T-shirts or something to teams that reach bowl eligibility. I, I wonder if OU is going to uh, be take those with a little more pride this year, uh, <laughs> getting a chance to do that. 
Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good point. You know, I'm also I'm looking at it now too. By the way, um, with let's see here, uh, I'm looking at uh, SP plus the projected margin for these next thirty games. Yeah, they've got they've got this. I've actually got it thirteen point three. Uh, next game is seven, about seven, and then Tech is nine. So I mean, you know, that's saying that OU is a solid favorite in each of the next three. So yeah. So we've kind of hinted at this um, and, and kind of talked around it a little bit, but this stretch coming up, including West Virginia, which if you want a much, much more in-depth version of West Virginia, join the Patreon. We'll have some, we're going to have a, an, an opponent interview, someone who covers the uh, West Virginia uh, Mountaineers to come on and talk about that football team in depth. Um, you're in the public stuff. You just get to listen to our cool voices, talk about cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we don't get as nerdy on here, but we've got three games going on um, coming up. OU has has, in my opinion, the a wide and clear fairway to get to eight and four. What happens if OU stumbles? What happens? I mean, these are all like you said, winnable games. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's damning or anything if OU goes seven and five or something of that nature. But how much are you going to like if OU does drop a game, two games remaining? How much do we like earmark some of this season and think, okay, is this? It, is Brent just really, really just needing to completely change this over? His talent obviously is not there. It we're just bare bottoms scraping at this point in time. Or were some chances, you know, Kansas State Baylor. Those could be wins, but they weren't and stuff like that. I mean, is there anything to take out of this season if OU loses a couple more times? Um uh, beyond just maybe like a recruiting negative impact to to you in your mind. Well, I'm, I will be concerned if, if like a pro at a program like OU, if this coaching staff and the head coach can't rally the players at this point to, you know, kind of get together and put, put three wins on the board against teams that they should beat. Now the thing, and, and OU, I feel like has done that this season for the most part. I mean, you know, they beat, they beat Kansas, they beat uh, Iowa state, you know, they won games like Nebraska like these are teams that you know aren't really you know shouldn't be competing with the, with OU at this point. I I kind of look at the next three games and say OU should be a decided favorite here, right? And in that case, with with what's on the line, three wins to me is not asking a lot. Um, you know, two. Uh, that's, you know, I guess acceptable. And I would hope that they start looking, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I'd hope that at that point they'd consider, Brent would consider, you know, changing some things up or lo looking overall. I mean, I think that he's probably, I hope he's doing that anyway, just for the sake of, you know, trying to figure out what, what would be best going forward. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it seems silly to be like, oh, well, he can only afford to lose one more game or two games. I mean, I don't know. I, but it's just kind of the thing where it's like, if they're not winning or if, if something, you know, just earth shattering, uh, you know, happens and, and they, they happen to lose that, like, that's, that's one thing. But again, it's just more a matter of like rallying the troops, so to speak, and getting, getting them on the same page here. I mean, if, if, if you can't do that in this situation, that's going to give me concern about everything going forward. Yeah, I generally agree with that. I don't think it's something, I don't think it's like us doing like some, you know, shock jock radio of like, 
Brent Venables loses one more job and I mean, loses one more game. I don't think that's it, but you're right. I mean, if OU stumbles down the stretch again, it becomes potentially symptomatic of larger issues, you know, and it's like, well, man, that then, then you start hearing, I'd have to read so many more pieces of this is why Brent Venables took so long to be head coach because Mm -hmm. he, you know, all that kind of jazz. And I do not want to have to to wrap my head around that stuff. But at the same time, you and I, I mean, you've said it multiple times. It's like, if Brent's not going to cut it, he just won't cut it. And oh, you yeah, will hire a I mean, different guy. I mean, it's just how it is. Um, my general expectation of Brent is that he probably will. I think the I think the more probable outcome is that Brent changes the overall composition of OU, OU's roster, recruits very well, and gets OU to uh, 10 and 3, 11 and 2 type of range and doesn't quite get over the hump because getting over to the hump is very, very difficult uh, at, at that point in time. Uh, but I still would consider that, a, a, you know, a rousing, rounding success. I mean, if OU is able to become a top eight-ish, top five-ish recruiter and win 11 games a year, you know, 10 to 11 games a year, that's, um, I, hey, sign me up for a decade of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the way I look at it is that, you know, I think that Lincoln Riley, for the most part, when he was OU's head coach, was doing, you know, actually, I mean, it's hard to argue with the results, like, uh, you know, but I do feel like there was kind of this sense that OU was just kind of kicking the can down the road, that they were kind of caught in this, like, kind of, like, they're on this, like, roundabout, and they just couldn't get off, you know, uh, when it came to actually building up a, a national championship level program. Um, and so like with Riley, I, I, I get, or pardon me with Venables. I have a little, I have more confidence that he's going to be directing OU the right way there. Now, again, you know, let's, we'll have to keep seeing, you know, what, what happens on game day. I think that he's, um, I think though, that like you said, the, the really like the roster composition is the one thing that I'm, I'm really looking for. And so let's see, also see, you know, I mean, that's another thing I, f- I feel like, you know, with, re- with recruiting, especially OU, part of what you're selling with OU is we have a history of winning <laughs> when you're not winning. That's also a problem, right? So again, that kind of goes back to, you know, if a down season is eight and four at your school, that's actually pretty good. Right. I mean, you can sell that, you know, this yeah. is our, this is a bad season for us. But you know, six and six, seven five. I mean, that's that's every. I guess the way to look at it would be every game that OU loses the rest of the year from here on out just makes it harder to make that claim. Yeah. So I want to transition that into the uh, recruiting discussion we talked off air about uh, potentially uh, OU does lose out on uh, the the flip that everyone saw happening. Vasic did. Um, uh, decommit from University of Oklahoma and staying with his home team at the University of Texas, uh, making a decision in which uh, it, he believes is best for his uh, future and you know college career and all that type of stuff. So, so congratulations uh, t- to his decision. Uh, pour one out for the good guys uh, as we <laughs> lost a a, a a very impactful position, a very impactful player at a uh, very impactful position in which OU needs more players at. Uh, so that part kind of sucks. Um, OU still has LeBlanc, so has PJ. Uh, uh, so it, it is in a point there where it, it does have good players coming in, uh, but you you can always you never have enough good players <laughs> on, right. on a roster. How much of so 
OU is a football factory. That's what OU is, is what OU has always been, in my opinion. It puts a lot of people in the NFL, maybe not putting in, you know, five first round draft picks or something like that. But historically, OU has put in, I can't remember what the, what the number is. OU is like fifth or fourth all time of putting people into the NFL. Like you go to OU, they're getting you into the NFL. Like that's how it works. Uh, more than Texas has historically, uh, you know, across the board, you go to OU there. I don't know if you go to OU for the rousing collegiate experience in Norman, Oklahoma. Like, I don't know if that is the same thing there, especially as our landscape, as you know, the recruiting landscape starts changes. So certain teams, certain programs could probably now withstand a six and six or a seven and five due to NIL collectives being built up. There's now other things that you can sell on this thing that don't maybe not necessarily have the same cachet as we, we went nine and three, we went 10 and two. Uh, I, I know you kind of have a pet theory to a certain degree. Please correct me if I'm, if I'm misspeaking or misquoting it, that there's a certain amount of, of Texas players going to Texas and that being like the pinnacle of the thing there. It's like, there isn't necessarily like, I'm sure that everyone wants to play to different levels and stuff, but it does seem to be somewhat symptomatic of why Texas I don't know. It's like the high school, Texas high school football. The goal is to play at the University of Texas. <laughs> and if you go to the University of Oklahoma, that is usually like, I'm going here for finishing school to go to the NFL next. Uh, and it seems to be able to do that. But if OU starts losing a couple few games and starts, you know, having players that aren't quite up to snuff, like you said, it kind of loses that potency, loses that sales pitch. Is there anything that you think OU could potentially do to weather the storm other than just finishing out eight and four? I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, does OU need to start announcing more robust NIL deals, NIL collectives? Uh, the only thing I follow is the, the one Oklahoma. It's like, we signed Gavin Freeman, but they don't say how much for, or what is he going to be doing? Or, and does OU need to be a little more blatant about some of that stuff? Or do you think we're all, we're, so so much of a rule following program school wink 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 nudge nudge uh, <laughs> that that's just something that universal Oklahoma doesn't want to uh, engage in well okay i mean you know i'll start off like i mentioned just keep winning that's what they need to do the rest yeah, of the year 100%. just win. after that i i know that nil is what everybody's talking about in recruiting right now and i get it and like this discussion is always kind of a little bit perilous in my mind because like there, because it's going to sound like I'm saying two different things here. All right. Because my first, my first thought is like, Hey, if you are a high school player and you want to go out and maximize what you can get in NIL, in NIL, go do it, man. You know? And if you know what, if you like, I, I don't look down on that or anything like that. What I worry about, though, is that the I want OU going after players who are looking at college and, I mean, not only want to be a great college player, but want to play in the NFL, right? Yeah. Like I want or, or de, you know, develop, develop that way because that, I mean, that's the formula that, you know, Nick Saban has. That's the formula that Kirby Smart has. You know, they are not recruiting guys with the idea like you come to Alabama and you've reached the pinnacle. Nick Saban is recruiting guys saying you come here 
you go through our program at the end, the chances are very good that you're going to be drafted into the NFL. That's when you get a big contract. That's when you can get other big endorsements. That's where the real money is. Like there's an opportunity to get a lot of money in NIL and there's, you know, huge multiples of that potentially available in the NFL. So if, if NIL, in my opinion, takes a player's focus away from becoming a, and you know, if, if that's driving decisions in terms of where a player is going to school or what, what their agenda is, I, I just, I feel like OU needs to be not even not setting the market in NIL, but just doing enough to keep every, to keep, you know, if you're saying the market in NIL, I, I guess I just worry about the objectives and long-term goals of the players that you're bringing into the program in terms of making your program elite. Um, again, like if you're a high school player out there and someone offers you $2 million just to sign with this college or what have you for an NIL deal and you want to take it, I, I mean, go for it, do it. But like, I just, there, I don't know it, at some point, like, I mean, if you're a defensive player and, you know, some, someplace out on the West coast, like USC offers you, you know, $5 million in IL money to come there. Like, that's great. But I mean, if Alabama can say, okay, we can get you 2 million in IL and then, you know, you're, you have a better shot of being, uh, you know, an NFL caliber defender when you're out of here, I'd rather, I'd, you know, I'd want the kid that makes that decision, the latter decision that is. Yeah. And you also see like Brent talking about just the idea of, and I don't know how much of this is like coping, <laughs> but he's like, Hey, Right now, we're recruiting an undersized guy who knows how to run, knows how to hit, and that's who we're going for. These guys who have the physicality and the toughness and, you know, things of that nature. And I, I do know there, there's probably I, – I don't know how much you can, you know, you show the x-ray. I don't know if you can put a dog in there. <laughs> I, yeah. think you, I think you got to have it, you know, in, in there. But I also think you kind of need to have the uh, – the, the big football players who are fast <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to a certain degree, you know, you can't yeah. build, you know, you can't build the plane out of uh five, 10 white guys who fight really hard. You know, it's like you, gotta, yeah. you need some big people you know, right. as well. And I know, I know what he's talking about. I, I get what he's trying to do. Uh, but man, you know, Brent's really good for a soundbite that if you don't get the full context of it because of how he answers, mm-hmm. you know, like they're, they're usually, five minute answers but if you just take a couple sentences out it's like this dude has no idea what he's talking about right yeah <laughs> very oh, quickly yeah. yeah oh very quickly yeah yeah absolutely um, i mean but to mean to your point i mean you could we can look at a&m and look at how they've they've just unabashedly decided and more power to them who cares i i, I do not think this is a morality issue in any way shape or all. form or anything not at all you know texas a&m's like we're going we've We've have all this money laying around. Why not? <laughs> yeah, you know, University. Now, I will say, University of Miami probably. There, I I do think there is a slight morality thing how they made their money, but whatever. <laughs> you know, leveraging your healthcare system to pay football players or whatever. You know, funneling that money to the pro football program. I get it. Win your games, but that one I'm kind of a little more iffy on. If it's oil or whatever, congrats, go spend your oil money. Uh, <laughs> but. You see the there's there's two two examples right there. I mean, A and M is the wheels are coming off. I mean, people are yeah, uh, and in Miami as well. I mean, it's it's these are two programs like Jimbo's uh, claim to fame is being a quarterback whisperer, which is now long dead, uh, and being offense coordinator, which is now long dead. Uh, 
but I mean, I guess recently the claim to fame is recruiting, getting guys in there. Um, you know, Mario Cristobal is not an, an imaginative, inventive <laughs> football head coach, but his job is to get as many talented people in there as, as possible uh, and kind of restock and reload. Um, but we see two teams that kind of not really, now it's hard to say that for Mario Cristobal. He just got there, but still, I, I don't like him as a head coach. So it's fun. It's fun to, yeah, he, <laughs> fun he to stays, love on to him. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, but Jimbo, it's like, man, man, you something's going to have to change. And it does seem like there's going to be long-term change there. Um, I just, I wonder if, how much changeability, if, if that's, I mean, it's not malleability, maybe Brent has moving forward because he, you can preach family, you can preach, we're in this together and all that type of stuff, but sometimes you got to let people go. Sometimes you have to move, you sometimes, um, it's like, uh, the Sam Ellinger problem for, for, uh, Tom Herman. Sam was good, but you could have upgraded on that position. You could have, but he stuck with him because he was good. I mean, can, can, will OU, will Brent be able to potentially change course on some of the family atmosphere, stuff like that, if there's just a better football coach, if there's a better guy that you can hire in and, and, and improve the program, um, th- that's something I, I find it to be somewhat interesting. I'm somewhat interested in that moving forward. How, how willing is he to, because I don't think you're going to lose anyone to outside hires based off this season, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I do want to see what happens. Like if, if he keeps uh, Washington as wide receiver coach, uh, just because he did well interim stuff. And it's like, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but uh, mm. that will cause me to really put, put some decisions under a microscope at that point in time, uh, if something along that line. Yeah, and I mean the obvious, the obvious elephant in the room here right now is Ted Roof, right? I mean, because yeah, yeah, yeah. technically, you know, I mean, like, I mean, you know, you can say, oh, well, Ted, this is Brent's defense, and you know, I, Roof is channeling him. Venables, I mean, maybe I don't know, but you know, it's just one of those deals where they got to take a hard look at that and and see if there are some fresh ideas from outside that would be worth exploring, you know, um, and maybe Brent's okay with how roof has deployed the defense so far. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I, I, I keep reading, you know, a lot of talk about like, Oh, Oh, you need to go to the transfer portal to upgrade this position or that position. Or I think, man, I think the way Venables is going to do it is he wants to bring in high school talent, to develop over time, to build into a, a stronger, more resilient program. And I, I think that, I mean, I'm on board with that idea, you know, I, yeah. mean, I, I really am. And so like, I, you know, it, to me, it's just like all the other stuff about NIL and transport, like, I don't know. I just, they need to get good young football players in the program and do what they've done, what Venables has done for 20 years. You know, I mean, yeah. like that's, that's how, how you will have success. And I know that that mean, might mean, you know, I know that we've seen what that means this year and we've seen, you know, I mean, he's going to be young again next year, but that is a more sustainable, durable path than constantly hanging up donors to go and buy off, Jordan Addison or, you know, Caleb Williams or to, I mean, 
you know, kind of go or what Nick say, look at all of the state of Alabama right now, like their program. I mean, they're it's ready. still, it's so great, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, but like, but like, look at, I mean, there's gotta be some kind of, you know, some kind of relationship between the amount of transfers that they've taken in, a, you know, positions like wide receiver and offensive line and the way the team has performed. Like in my, in yeah. my just to me, I, no. I don't know how there couldn't be. And they, you can't like, I I want OU to be, you know, uh, I want them to have a durable competitive advantage. That's, you know, it's kind of like a Warren Buffett type thing, right? Like, yeah. like, I don't want this to be a deal where every year, if OU doesn't have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, they're screwed. Like they, I, I want a, an actual program is what I want to, I hope that Venables can develop on it, develop and lay the foundation for. Yeah. You can only put a bandage over a wound so many times, <laughs> you know, in, in the NIL stuff will lose its luster. Yeah. You can only hit up a booster. So right now it's a wild west. You just hit them up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but eventually it's going to, it's going to, they're going to be like, Hey, this, this transfer, I mean, this guy kind of sucked. I spent a million dollars. I mean, it's like eventually yeah. someone's going to think, cause I know there's no real ROI on this for the rich people, but eventually their ego because these these people or ego uh, the big time boosters generally are going to have some sort of level of you know egoness about it or else they wouldn't have their names on buildings <laughs> in which they donate yeah. money for. Um, they also don't like being quote unquote played to be a fool. <laughs> like yeah. you can only go to them so many times. I mean, so it had, if you take an NIL transfer in or transfer in, and from that perspective, they got to work. You know, they have to they have to they have to meet and they have to do this, and it needs to be uh, in an area of luxury. Uh, it can't be an area of, uh, you know, if we don't land this guy, we are uh, screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dylan Gabriel, I, I hope he got some money because he, he could have been mm -hmm. OE over a barrel. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's stuff like that. You know, that that's that's circumstances I hope OU never finds itself in again. Um, that That is interesting. I didn't think about that for the Alabama side. Well, maybe some of this, this, this drop off isn't due to Golding all of a sudden not knowing how to coach full, uh, defenses yeah. and saving losing touch. It's kind of this, um, there, uh, there, there's a Spurs beat writing group uh, called Pounding the Rock, uh, I believe, and they use a thing called corporate knowledge. There's a certain drain of corporate knowledge if you no longer have three and four-year guys in the program and you only have one-year guys in the program and you kind of lose the um i guess to get it in some like topical stuff uh twitter's finding that right now uh yeah exactly, it's like yeah. oh yeah that one guy did that one thing or yeah. oh that's why they did that <laughs> like so uh it's nice if you don't have to keep discovering uh those things and you just keep nancy and financing yeah. <laughs> who, who secretly runs the runs the whole program um okay yeah i like that uh i i do like that concept ou just needs to become a program yeah. Not just a bunch of individual football teams. I I, I I I like that. I think I can wrap my head around that. Uh, college football at large. Uh, TCU, number four in the playoffs. I know we're way away and it's kind of dumb to talk about, but it's kind of at least kind of cool to see TCU get some pat on the back mm. <laughs> at, at this point in time. Because I, I guess maybe it's a question of who else would they put in there. Eh, I, I bet you could have seen an LSU's jump. <laughs> Mm -hmm. them just like overreact to the Bama thing. Uh, but I mean, congratulations on them. Um, what, what games are you looking forward to seeing this weekend, man? 
Well, I mean, TCU, you know, they've got, yeah, they're going yeah. to Texas. It's a primetime game. Texas is a seven point favorite. You know, the way Texas is, you know, kind of put things together, uh, you know, that could be interesting, you know, because it's also going to be one of those deals too, where if Texas has a lead in the second half, you know, everybody's going to yeah. be looking at it, like wondering, like, are they going to be able to hold on to that? You know, I mean, the way that a Texas has blown those in the past and, uh, be um tcu's ability to make those comebacks so you know that's that's going to be one that i'm looking for um trying to think i need to look here at the schedule real quick that that was the first one that jumped jumped off the page to me um let's see here uh lsu might need to be careful uh going yeah. to arkansas it's yeah. a, a big time let potential letdown spot there that uh, they don't have uh they you know that could come back to get them uh, you know i mean like alabama Ole miss i think Ole miss is kind of overrated at this point you know uh the ucf tulane i mean just because you know to fun game story. yeah exactly yeah. right and then um looking along here like washington i think oregon's going to kill washington oh kansas state baylor um yeah you know what i i wonder too you know like is, is is there any chance that they would go back to Will Howard um, at Kansas State? I don't know. I guess that's you know the lot. I mean, the way he was playing, uh, yeah. You know, it definitely raises some eyebrows. I think uh, those those that's kind of those are kind of the games that I'm I'm going to be at least paying closer attention to. I, I think a game I'm looking forward to because I want to see if this if this trend continues. Um, how many points will Colorado score on USC? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and does uh, Grinch lose his job after that? <laughs> at, at, at that point in time, uh, it, it's been interesting. I was reading some, uh, some articles about that and they're like, man, USC had a really good defense. The first six games I was like, no, they didn't. There's like a plus 15 turnover margin. <laughs> yeah. Now they're, now they're at like a plus two and now they're garbage. It's like, well, yeah, because <laughs> people aren't just actively trying to give the game away to them. It'll be kind of interesting there. I I, I just kind of want to like see what happens there. Uh, 8 PM, 8 30 PM central for that. That sucks. That's a late ass game for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be kind of interesting. Um, there was another one I thought about, uh, I was going to try to tune into, I think, well, maybe not. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, so what's your prediction overall for uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma? Oh, man. Um, Catching off guard. Let's see here. Yeah, Suffer let me think you. here. I'm going to say, you know, I mean, this is a game I think OU, you know, is able to kind of maybe be a, build up a double-digit mm-hmm. lead here in the end. You know, I, I'm thinking like a 10-point win. Ooh, nice. Um, so that would be, let's say, oh, OU 31-21, maybe? Something like that. 21-30, okay, okay. I could see OU. I'm going to officially say um, get the locks out, boys and girls. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OU 34, uh, West Virginia 17. Uh, not a stone. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I want to. I would love to see OU kind of bounce back from that and maybe get a little more focus. To me, this is the troops have become rallied. The focus is there. Uh, you're playing against the team in which you should be able to tee off on. Um, mm. If this is like a one-score game down late, and oh, he has to come back to fourth quarter or something, uh, yeah, that'll suck. But I, I think yeah. I think we're kind of in the same thought process here. Oh, you should uh, should leave West Virginia, uh, leave the really cool song they have, uh, <laughs> and the yeah. couches will, will be intact at that point in time. Uh, well, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, we didn't have much going on. I, I've been a uh, 
again, we've had a, a state election, the Choctaw Nation, who I work for, uh, has uh, been very invested in this, uh, making sure a certain uh, candidate uh, doesn't win, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and then also Supreme Court will be uh, hearing um, the, the constitutionality of uh, ICWA, which is the Indian Child Welfare Act. Uh, they start hearing arguments on that tomorrow. Uh, so there's been a lot of uh, consternating and messaging and all that type of stuff. So it's been a, a pretty busy side on uh, in my neck of the woods. So uh, college football has been kind of on the back burner in my brain uh, for this. So I appreciate everyone staying here and listening to us kind of rant and ramble our way through all this stuff. Uh, but Alan, is there anything you that we may have missed uh, that you think of off the top of your head or anything like of that manner? Nah, man, take us out. Oh, sweet. Well, uh, that's been us. That's I am Peyton Guthrie and for uh, Alan Kinney for... Uh, uh, through the keyhole, uh, almost almost said blatant homerism. Uh, <laughs> through the, for uh, through the keyhole, uh, you guys can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash through the keyhole for four dollars. You get anything that we produce. We just ton of con- a lot of podcasts right now. Uh, you get anything we produce. Basketball, basketball. Oh yikes! <laughs> basketball is kicking in. Yeah. We'll see if we can get some uh, basketball guys to kind of talk about just what exactly is going on, uh, and then uh, see <laughs> see what happens on that part in time. Uh, but for myself, for Matt, for Alan, Boomer. <laughs> <laughs>